0: Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the vs. Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 6 eight the Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate.
1: I already hate it. I hate it.
0: All right, welcome back to a Monday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Old friend, years and years ago now, Tom Westerholm, we have been talking, and you've been on this podcast, and we have talked NBA basketball for over five years now. Did you know this?
1: I did not know that. That's crazy.
0: We are almost 30, or I'm almost 30.
1: How old oh, are you? I, I, am, I am definitely 30. <laughs> are you really? Yeah, I turned 30. Uh, I'm going to be 31 in July. Mm. Yeah, I, I think... I don't remember where I saw it. It might have been on Twitter just like recently, but somebody was like, 30 is like your last year. Oh, you know what? I, 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 do you watch F is for family? Okay. The um, show. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the characters on there, Vic, says that 30 is the last year of your 20s. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's got a point because like, you know, you turn 30 and, and you get to be like, oh man, I can't believe I'm 30. And then you turn 31. And it's like, all right, nobody cares anymore, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like 30 is kind of the last age where it's like, Wow. And then and then you start to get into like the decades. So like when I turn forty, it'll be like, wow, I can't believe I'm forty. So Well,
0: yeah. I'm excited about going in my thirties. Um I don't know how you feel about being in your thirties, but I yes, am, I'm I'm here for it. Um part of where I want to go in my life, I can't get to until I'm in my thirties. Like it's this catch twenty two where you don't want to like wish your life away. But also mm. like there are certain things where um where I want to be, where it's just like thirty six year old chase. I have a pretty good idea. If I keep doing what I'm doing, it's gonna be really great. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm really, cl- I'm getting, I'm getting up there in age. Then it's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just wished away like eight years. Do I want to just, uh, I don't know. That I, I have a back and forth on aging and all that. I I don't know. I don't think there's a good answer because you're not gonna believe this, Tom. But uh, life is complicated.
1: I personally have not experienced this, mm. but I, I have heard from people that life can be complicated for some. So I'm sorry to hear that that's the case for you. Yes.
0: Yeah. And well, you have a <laughs> an outlet in your guitar playing, and uh, I do. I yeah. saw that. Um, was that a good guitar? I don't know anything about guitars. I my favorite brand of music is pop punk, so I listen to a lot of it, but I could not tell you one sure. thing about anything.
1: Well, we should have a discussion about pop punk sometime because I also enjoy pop punk quite a bit. Um, been a big like Wonder Years fan for a long time. Mm, uh,
0: story so far shirt
1: right now. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I've got a Wonder Years uh, tattoo actually. Uh, really? Yeah, it's like the cardinal, and it says uh, "We're no saviors." Um, mm. from the "We're no saviors" if you can't save your brothers. Um, yeah, but no. So this is a. It's a nice guitar. It's a seven string, so it's for like really heavy um music. Uh, just because it gets like I, I'm calling it the sludge hammer. Um, and it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's, uh, sparkly and, uh, very easy to play, except that seven strings are very complicated. So I'm figuring it out as I go.
0: Okay. Does little man try and like play with the guitar and you're like, no, 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 this isn't happening. Can't touch. You can't break this.
1: (laughs) Well, actually I've got a drum set in my basement that he's been starting to uh, kick around on, which is pretty fun because he can, it gives him something that he's allowed to hit and he likes to hit things. So, uh, put a couple <laughs> drumsticks in his hands and he's he's pretty happy for a good 10-15 minutes, which at the age of 3 is if you can if you can buy yourself 10-15 minutes, it's pretty good.
0: There you go. There you go. Um the Boston Celtics. There I was thinking of a, a, a natural uh, transition there. And there wasn't <laughs> anything. You can't go from guitar playing and uh, toddlers banging on drums to the Boston Celtics. There's no easy transition there unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, as professional as i am as a broadcaster I, I couldn't pull it off and uh for that i'm sorry but the boston celtics um along with the houston rockets are the two teams that i've talked into talk myself into joining the group of milwaukee and the two la teams is like a realistic chance to win the title and i don't know if you're with me but in the east mm-hmm. they make the most sense like people who uh yo friend of the pod was on and we did uh we ranked the nba contenders um from 22 up and just most likely to win the title. And like the thing that I pitched about the Celtics and the Rockets, it's a little bit different for why I'm in on both of those two teams. But um, the Celtics, they're deep. And I mm-hmm. think depth is really going to matter um, in the bubble. I think this is something that teams that have more guys that can throw in there if something happened, like there's just this is a good time to have a lot of bodies that you trust. This is a this is the first time you'll ever hear someone say it's good that we have Brad Wanamaker around because um, yeah <laughs> not a thought you usually have but you're like oh he shoots 36 from three like he's he's fine if kimba has to miss two weeks because he tests positive and he's gone like we can survive right um the wizards cannot survive with davis burton's uh riding out and being like no i'm, I'm good uh, i'm gonna sit this one out no they, they won't survive that um the celtics are deep the celtics well to be yawn. to be
1: entirely yeah. clear the washington wizards were not going to survive this like this anyway they were <laughs> <laughs> whether or not Bertans played absolutely but now it's like they're not making the playoffs like Bertans
0: right. is that important or it's like he's like nah I'm, I'm good for um sure. which makes me wonder if Bradley Beal is gonna play because it that like he's doing a lot of stuff off the court and it's great and I, I do wonder if he actually comes back but I don't know um the Celtics though they're young Jalen Brown Jason Tatum play a bunch of minutes Hayward's had time they I mean Daniel Tice what is he 20? He's year three in the league. I want to say. So he, yeah. it's not Horford where the bodies like he was breaking down <laughs> and having to play him every other night. Like you don't have that in there. Like when I think about this team and the way they're constructed, Marcus smart going balls to the wall for two months. Like that makes sense to me of him just being like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think in the East, if there was anybody right now who was really, really going to challenge the bucks in a seven game series where they could just throw their best five and just, Use their youth, use their top end talent, and really give them problems. I think it's the the Celtics. Am I crazy?
1: No, I don't think you're crazy. I, I don't. I wouldn't pick the Celtics over the Bucks, but I, I I can I certainly can see and understand you know that rationale. Um, like for for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, obviously the Bucks. <laughs> this is also going to come as as breaking news, I'm sure, to your listeners. Uh, the Bucks revolve around Giannis and TenNecumpo. Okay. Um, and the Celtics That's have right, actually man. like. Yeah, I know. Uh, In the past, the Celtics have um, actually defended him pretty well um, Mm -hmm. when Kyrie Irving wasn't waving everybody off and saying, (laughs) let me take him one on one. Um, So, I mean, you know, they've got and and obviously it's a little different this year because one of the reasons they were so good at guarding him was because they had guys like Al Horford and Aaron Baines, who were just like so strong around the rim and were able to kind of stick with him a little bit. Um, But. You know they they're pretty good at packing the paint against him. They're pretty good at building up that shell um, that that kind of keeps him away uh, from the rim. So you know I, I think there's there's something there. I mean you can throw Marcus Smart at him for a few possessions. You can throw you know Chemie Ogilvy at him for some time. Like they've got some guys who can who can defend him a bit. I mean I think like they're they're an interesting like the Celtics are an interesting contender that way. I think you're right that. Um, you know, they're, they're very deep um, and they, they can do a lot of stuff with that. Kemba Walker is had, was having knee trouble um, for a good half of the season. um, And, and he was, and he had kind of been shut down for a little while when the uh, coronavirus hit, you know, it sounds like he's doing a lot better. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that again, I wouldn't pick them over the bucks. The bucks have just been an absolute buzzsaw all season. And I, I think that you, you have to look at, at their body of work and think that they're, hands down, the favorites to come out of the East. But I think it's very reasonable to to say that the Celtics might be the the, the biggest contender. The interesting thing will be, like, the Celtics might be the biggest contender against the Bucs if they can make it out of the first round against a team that has been trying to self-combust all season. Um, but they're just like, the Sixers just give the Celtics a lot of problems um, because of their size. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. But I, I don't think that it's crazy at all to say that if it's not the Bucs, the Celtics are probably the next logical... Um, team down on the ladder so
0: if they got matched up with the Sixers in round one who would you pick like a healthy Sixers team and a healthy uh, Celtics team
1: I would I would pick I would pick the Celtics okay. Um, you know the Celtics beat them once this year um and looked pretty good doing it like you started to see basically a lot of what happened this season was people had kind of a preconceived notion of how the Celtics might struggle against the Sixers and then the first game of the season the Sixers like reinforced all of that like they just like you know held like really locked the Celtics down Boston could not get off a good shot it was it was wild trying to watch them generate any offense whatsoever and they just could not do it And then the Sixers kind of went through their season and struggled all year, and the Celtics looked a lot better against them in that last game. And again, like the Sixers have been really, really good at home, and obviously none of these games are going to be at the Wells Fargo Center. So I I, I would pick the Celtics. I wouldn't feel like incredibly confident just based on the matchups, and uh, especially based on the fact that um, they would largely be relying on Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor to take on Joel Embiid. But... I mean, the Sixers, I just don't think, I don't know how you could, even given the matchup problems, I don't know how you could pick the the Sixers given everything that we've seen from them and given all their problems this year.
0: I just, I don't understand the Sixers stuff anymore. Like, I, just, <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. it. It's just, I was really angry when I saw Ben Simmons working out and just dunking and that little <laughs> video where I'm just, who was worried about that? Who, like, we know I, that I he can do that. that he's he athletic. He can, he can do those things.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, I've he's often said, you know, at this point, not shooting, right? Like that's just right, gotta yeah, be like, the thing. His problem has always been his biceps. I've always thought, the, that I've they were too thought
0: that too. That's the one thing holding yeah. him back was Ben Simmons <laughs> getting shredded. That was the one issue that we were all worried about. Um, yeah. Now, if Joel Embiid was shredded, where it was like this dude has not had a Shirley Temple in three years, like then you're like, right? He's already basically unguardable. Now he's just like pure muscle. Uh, yeah, that yeah. that doesn't sound fun. Um, I don't know. I just I'm out on that group, and they missed their moment. I think if Jimmy had come back with them, they would have been my title team this year, which is really sad mm. because I think that team if the if it bounces a, a different way for Kawhi, um, they win the title. Like I think they were next in line to just run through the Bucks too, and I don't think the Warriors would have had an answer for them either. Um, which. Sucks if you're a Sixers fan, right? You're like, uh, yeah. now I'm even angry at Tobias Harris than I usually am. Um, for people that <laughs> forgot where the Celtics were before the season abruptly uh, got shortened, like where were the Celtics? Like, What kind of team were they? How were they playing? What do you remember most about where they were going and where they were at in their development?
1: Yeah, so the biggest thing that had happened with the Celtics was that Jason Tatum had become a star. Like, and you can put him like, you know, a lot of Celtics adjacent people will say he's a top 10 player now. Uh, you know, I think maybe more reasonable would be to put him in like the 15 to 20 range for right now and, and, you know, kind of take a look at how this all goes. But regardless, I mean, he really emerged, Um, you know, during like the month of January, February, basically after he got selected to the All-Star team. And he just like he just went on this unholy tear. Um, He was the, you know, Eastern Conference player of the month in February just like really was was amazing um, and you started to really see why the Celtics like value him so highly why why they've always thought of him so highly and why he's gonna get you know a max contract this offseason, pretty much no matter what happens um they had I mean going directly into the break they'd slumped a little bit um you know they had like a couple of and and none of the losses were bad it was like losses to like the thunder and the jazz and the rockets it's like those those are good teams like if you get beat by them it's not the biggest thing in the world um but you know there was there was a small amount of slumping going on and they were a little banged up um especially with with Kemba's knee so i think you know this break obviously you have no idea what guys are whether guys are going to come back in shape how how they're going to be looking but i mean i don't think that this th- this break was the worst thing in the world for them just to kind of you know if they're hoping to compete for this, you know, for this title, like, they're going to be a lot healthier, they're going to be, you know, a lot, I, I think they'll be pretty sharp. Um, But basically, like the story of this entire season has just been Tatum. It's just like, look, this is it went from this is a guy that they they're probably going to trade for Anthony Davis, to this is a guy who, like, I've speculated a couple of times that maybe it's time to start like, really figuring out what it is that's going to make Jason Tatum want to stay in Boston because he's that good. And, you know, if, if there are any, you know, hurt feelings from all those, like that whole trade saga, like you want to, I think you want to start trying to mitigate those problems as much as you can right now. So, um, you know, I, he'll get a max offer from them this off season. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know for sure, I'm, I, but I can probably guess that he will take it and he'll be in Boston for a while. But I mean, he is the cornerstone of the franchise now. Um, you know, Jalen Brown is too, to a slightly lesser extent. I think there are, you know, situations in which maybe they would, uh, you know, kind of look around on on most of the guys on the roster, honestly. But Tatum is not one of them. I think that at this point, Jason Tatum is the face of the franchise, the best player on the team, and you know, just kind of the future.
0: Is there any way to make Boston feel more like Phoenix for him?
1: <laughs> that's the big question, right? I mean I actually uh when, when that story broke, I I, I speculated on it on my podcast that like, hey, maybe they should uh um you know, maybe should they should just hire Earl Watson like as an assistant coach. Like <laughs> but yeah, I mean I, I think that uh you know they're they're gonna. I, I think that he is. He has taken on and an just an enormous amount of importance with this team. And you know, obviously, they're thrilled to have him. But I think that it's never too early to start looking ahead to try to maintain your superstars, especially when your superstar isn't like you know a homegrown guy. Like he is, you know, from St. Louis. His his you know best friend in the NBA plays in Washington. Like this is a uh, you know he doesn't necessarily have Wait, like who is a ton his best of, friend in the NBA? Uh, Bradley Beal. Oh, he so and Bradley Beal close. grew up. Yes, very close. They grew up together in St. Louis, um, went to the same high school and everything. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a the, the, like I, I think it a player of Tatum's caliber um, who doesn't have like direct ties to Boston. I don't think it's ever too early to start, you know, really catering to somebody like that.
0: If they do that, does that th- like how does Jalen Brown look at all of this? Like, where is his at? Is he OK with Danny Ainge and friends being like, this is Tatum's team. Or does Brown still think he can get to that level? Like, where does Brown see himself on this roster and like the hierarchy?
1: You know, it's a good question. Jalen has been—he's said all of the exact right things. um You know, the people that I've talked to that are kind of like in his circle have have basically just kind of said like, yeah, like him and him and Tatum, like fire and ice, like which which is to be clear, how it's not like the Celtics, it's not like that's an unreasonable way to look at himself. Like that's how the Celtics look at him too. Um, now the Celtics certainly prioritize Tatum. But they, you know, Jalen is a huge part of this franchise. They just, you know, put him on that. They just like locked him up on that four-year deal that's gonna um, kick in, you know, start kicking into the salary cap next year. Um, so they they see him as like a, a long-term member of this team, and I think he sees himself as a long-term member of this team. Um, you know, he and I know he and Brad have a really good uh, Stevens have a really good working relationship. Um, you know, he's got a really good working relationship with members of the assistant coaching staff, and um, everybody on the team kind of likes each other this year. It's just it's it's very night and day from last year. So I think he's happy. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know where he sees himself in relation to Tatum, but he has called, you know, he has said a bunch of times this season, like, look, Tatum's a superstar. Like this guy's really good. So I, I think he certainly understands, I mean, you know, he's, he's really smart. Like he, he knows what's going on. He he is watching the same games we are. Like, I think he definitely has what, like he has, has the right context on all of this, I think. Um, and, you know that's that's obviously positive for the Celtics because it would be very easy for, you know, a guy in his situation, also a number three pick, also a you know a highly touted prospect, to not feel that way. So right. I think the Celtics can take some uh, can take some encouragement from that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, guys change, and these two are both young, and mm-hmm. they're they're really good. They're improving. Like it's this is something I argue about with um, Atlanta fans a lot is. And just how hard it is to just develop one uh, lottery guy into a star. Mm-hmm. Develop two is almost unheard of. That's why most teams just give up and they just start trading for guys <laughs> that like are veterans that might get them closer. Like it's a really hard process. Ask Orlando. Ask Charlotte. Like it's a really really tough thing. It sounds great in theory, but most of these guys don't work out because only seven to eight guys do work like matter in this league. Ultimately, yeah, the, yeah. Most teams are not going to have that guy. So you have to understand that like just getting one is insane so if you can develop one congratulations you're one of the few who can because there's just so many different things that go into it the celtics have done this now twice like they're navigating both worlds where they're going after the anthony davis and the kyries and the kimball walkers while also developing their own and i think that's a very fine line to walk and it's an easy avenue to self-combust Because uh, if you're a young guy and you see them continue to look at other people, you're like, hey, what about us? It's like the Lakers stuff from before LeBron and or even like when LeBron got there. Like, are we long for this world? Um, The Celtics have done a good job. And the fact that Jalen and Jason are both happy and comfortable with everything with just the turnover with Kyrie to Kemba and just the Anthony Davis rumors forever. That, I think, is an underrated huge win for Boston
1: for sure and I think that they I think you're I think you're right on the money and I I think that they also got really lucky in a couple of ways because like the Anthony Davis thing I mean who knows how he and Kyrie would have fit together whether Kyrie would have been able to stay healthy whether that whole situation would have even worked Um, and if they were out Jason Tatum and you know we were just watching I mean Tatum and Zion just destroy things in New Orleans I, I think they they would uh you know kind of they might potentially regret that situation. Not that Anthony Davis isn't amazing. He obviously is. But um, as things are, they sort of fell into this situation where Tatum became the star um, and became so clearly the star that everybody on the team, including Kemba Walker, who, um, you know, signed there to be the star. um, Everybody just kind of recognizes, okay, this is Tatum's team now, which like that plays in the Celtics favor in a lot of different ways because they also have guys, they have a lot of young guys on this team who all kind of understand their place in the hierarchy because the best player on the team is young like them. And it's, and it's just so clear that he is the best player. So like Romeo Langford, for example, Celtics still really believe in him. Like they think that he's going to be a pretty good player, but it's not going to be a thing where Romeo is like, well, what is this? You know, I was the number five player in my class in high school. I was, you know, the number 14 pick. I was a lottery pick in the draft. You know, why am I not getting minutes? It's like, well, no, like it's pretty obvious. It's because all the young guys on the team are, are helping the Celtics win right now. And I think that probably does help some of the young guys sort of be like, okay, cool. Like, let me, let me learn from these guys. Let me learn from these guys who are almost my age. Like that, you know, that situation I think is probably a little bit healthier. Um, and, and it, the Celtics kind of tripped and fell into the timeline that they need to follow. Because like you said, they were trying to balance both when they had Kyrie and they were trying to develop their prospects. Now they just kind of have their situation They're They are a young team with a young star and that's how they're building. And they also have some other good players like Campbell Walker is, you know, was an all-star starter, like he's really good. But um, this is Jason Tatum's team and everybody seems to be pretty okay with that, which is rare. And it's it's a huge departure from where they were at last year.
0: This is going to be a tough question for you, but this is something (laughs) that I watched a lot of this year and Yes, Jason Tatum is a star now, but do you think it's now getting, we're, we're, we're getting very close with the national media now overrating Tatum a little too much and also underrating Brown? It feels like that's going to always be the the pendulum here, where we're going to go a little bit too far the other way. And then it just is like, no, 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 no. You still have to give Jalen Brown a lot of credit for what he's doing. Cause like, I don't know if you asked a bunch of NBA fans, like, how much they thought, um, tatum versus brown were averaging like just per 36 minutes like how similar their numbers actually were and before everything went went south um sure tatum's only getting a couple more shots a game he's shooting like Jalen brown's shooting 38 percent. tatum 40 like 23 a game 20 a game like they're very close like tatum's clearly the better player but like Jalen brown has developed a lot offensively and I didn't see this coming. Did you ever see a scenario where like Tata, excuse me, Brown might get up to 40% at some point in his career? Like, I never thought that was a possibility for him.
1: You know, I did um, because his first season, he was really, really good from the corners. Um, So you kind of had this like sense that there was sort of a spot up ability with him that that you know might be just kind of lying in the line in the weeds and then sure enough you know he he really I mean he really blossomed his second year he was he was incredible that year um and yeah he was a huge part of the reason that they you know made it to the Eastern Conference finals and almost almost upended uh, LeBron and the Cavs so that wasn't as much of a surprise to me i think the thing that was a big surprise this year um which was something that he was hinting at last year too he has put in so much work on his handle, on his feel for the game, um, on, you know, on his work as a passer. Like he's like before this season, I, I remember I was <laughs> I was in a, an NBA locker room, um, you know, just listening to two players discuss Jalen one time, like two opposing players um, discuss him. And they were just like, yeah, he's so loose with his handle. Like, you know, like, you know, he's he's good enough and he's good and all, but he's 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 real loose with his handle. It's, you can pick his pocket. And that just hasn't been the case this year. I mean, he is he is really, really good. Um, and he, you know, he's good in traffic. He's good when he gets into the paint. Um, the Celtics trust him now to like, you know, maybe not to like, he's not going to be like a pick and roll facilitator like Gordon or, uh, you know, or Kemba, but they trust him to run a pick and roll competently and, you know, make, you know, make the simple decisions as a passer or make the less simple decisions as a scorer. Um, they're, they're perfectly fine with that. So his feel for the game has just gone through the roof i I think that there is still a pretty clear um delineation between Tatum and Brown like like Jalen Brown is going to be a really good basketball player for a long time um and you know he's he's i think he's gonna make multiple all star teams i you know he his defense kind of comes and goes a little bit he can be really good um sometimes he loses uh focus a little bit but i I just think that like what we've seen from Tatum this season, especially like one of the big things with Tatum is that he has a signature shot now. Like he, it's that like that side, step, back step, three. Three. Step, step back three, the I sidestep step back three, and he's filthy at it. Like well over forty percent, um, and and that's like an off the dribble, often contested shot, and you just can't do anything about it. Like he's six nine, and he his release is so high that it's it's like almost unguardable. Um, it's hard as although, shit. I just don't. If you don't play really you
0: don't understand like how <laughs> difficult of a shot that is, and for the fact that he just loves doing it and is really good at it is insane to me.
1: I like I would I've talked to um, his trainer a couple times and I've never asked him this, which I regret. Um, But I I think that there are certain players for whom something about the dribble motion gets them into their um, gets them into their shot more comfortably because he seemed like it just seems like a very, very comfortable shot for him. It almost looks more in. He shoots really well just off the catch, but the off the dribble shot just looks almost a little bit more natural um, to me, like it gets him into his uh, his motion somehow better um, but he, yeah, I mean, he's, he's amazing at it and it's, that's the kind of shot, like that's the kind of self creation, um, that I think you really see from the superstars, which I think that's the delineation is like you with Tatum, you see, you know, superstar potential, um, with Jalen, you see, you know, star potential, you know, kind of currently a star. Um, and you know, maybe he goes somewhere from here. I think that's entirely possible. The guy works his, you know, just works his tail off, um, I wrote a story earlier this year. One of the assistant coaches told me that um two days after the season ended, he called the assistant coach up and was like, Hey, like, I want to get in the gym. Can we get in the gym? The coach was like, You want to take like a like a couple weeks off? Like, are you sure? And the coach was just like, Yeah, no, I want to play. <laughs> hang, on, hang on one sec. <laughs> I'll I'll fix it for you, bud. Go tell me if this works, okay? All right. Here.
0: All right, we're good. Papa Tom, do I leave this in? Do I cut that, or does it a <laughs> heartwarming moment that just becomes a great thing? Where they're like, you know what? I was not sure on Tom Westerham at this point. The pop punk stuff, a little scary, but now I know, sweet well, dad. So we're we're all in on Tom Westerham, Boston Celtics reporter.
1: <laughs> well, uh my son is all in on PJ Masks, okay. so uh, yeah. we're, we're all good now. Um, they're they back to the uh, back to saving the night. There you um, go. Um, but yeah, no, I I think that that's I think that's where Tatum really kind of picks up is, is he's he's really, really talented at those at those tough threes off the dribble. And, you know, that kind of separates him a little bit. True or false? Gordon Hayward is a Celtic next year. <laughs> that's a great question. I think tr- it partly depends on what happens with the salary cap, obviously. So I will I, I'm going to say true. Um it's in part because it's going to be very hard for the Celtics, you know, money-wise to get anybody who could even come close to replacing him from a talent perspective. Now, <laughs> that uh is, you know, that could be very complicated depending on what the salary cap does because there's a scenario in which that, you know, he opts in, Celtics can't afford him. Um like where it's just like his his money becomes almost prohibitive um because, you know, he's scheduled to make or er, yeah, he's in line to make like thirty million next year. So yeah, I mean it's a tough question. I if I were to guess, I would say he's he's here. I mean, I know he likes it. He likes playing for Brad. He likes playing on a winner. Um, you know, the Celtics certainly believe in him. Uh that, you know, they they really like him. Um and he does a lot for this team. So I think he'll be here, but it is it is not easy. I, I certainly can see scenarios in which he's not.
0: If I'm him, I just I want him to go somewhere else. Like, it's just... It's sad. It's not the Celtics' fault. And he's been good this year. He's not been great uh, from what I've seen. He's just good. He's fine. Like, he's back to 17-5-5. Five and, five, and, like, he's a good fourth or maybe third option on a contender. But, like, I would just rather him go somewhere else. Like, he's always... Like, it's just... We're going to remember Gordon Hayward for just the gruesome injury in Boston. Yeah. Like, that's, that's his legacy in Boston. It's just, like, the horrible opening night just... In Cleveland, we we all remember that. Um, he's not going to be the guy in Boston. He's not going to be the guy they thought they were getting in Boston before the injury. It's just, I want him in Miami. I really do. <laughs> I want to see him with Jimmy, with Bam. Like I just, I really want to see that. I, I think that would be the greatest thing for him. Um, get some sun. We know he needs it. <laughs> um, Gordon Hayward has not been in the sun in a while big gamer
1: uh so yeah if Gordon Hayward head. went to Miami he would not be out in the sun I don't think I uh, think no, he would. <laughs> we would force him no
0: we'll we'll make it happen um Gordon let's talk um yeah I don't know I just I don't I don't think it's the best thing for him and the Celtics like but at the same time like you said they can't really get equivalent value for him if they did want to like let him go and move on. Like, it's just, it's a really weird situation. And then you obviously factor in like what the salary caps even going to be. Yeah. I don't know. I think if the pandemic doesn't happen, he's probably gone, right? But if it, now that it did and everything's weird, you just kind of, a lot of guys are just going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to keep rolling the dice until we really get back to normal.
1: Yeah. I mean, so he's got, he's got a couple of options here. I mean, obviously like, like you said, like he could leave. And I've, I've thought about that too. I mean, just getting like that fresh start, um, it might be worth it for him. Just like a chance to just kind of regroup and and be somewhere else. Like, even though, you know, like you said, like, it's not, obviously it's not the Celtics fault that he got hurt and he certainly doesn't blame them or anything like that. Um, you know, it's not the Celtics fault that he struggled. I don't think he blames them for that either. Like, I think all parties kind of understand, like, I think all parties would understand if he just was like, you know, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. I don't, you know, I I got got gruesomely injured. I just kind of need a fresh start. Um, But that being said, when you just look at the landscape, like he's in line to make 30 million next year, he could either take that or he could work with the Celtics to renegotiate. um, And then he would, you know, maybe have a cheaper deal for longer. And that would end up, you know, bringing in more money in the long term. And, you know, there's I think this offseason, especially there might be a lot of um a lot of reason to do that like if you can lock in longer term money this year especially when you don't know what the cap is going to like this year's cap is going to be messed up but i think that there's the chance that they kind of artificially freeze it um which would give you know them a chance to to kind of reassess next year to see how much money they can make next year all that kind of thing um and that would uh you know that would if that were the case it might make a lot of sense for him to renegotiate um you know while while the getting is good sort of so it's going to be really complicated. I, you know, you feel for the guy, like you can't help, like, but I mean, he just has been the last few years have just been really tough. And especially for a guy who has been playing basically in what should have been his prime, you know, he's 29 years old right now. So, I mean, the last three years should have been three of the best years of his entire career. And instead it was injured all year, back, but still kind of, you know, struggling to get back. And then finally a decent season this year, which has been completely overshadowed by, you know, Tatum's emergence and the arrival of Kemba Walker and, you know, Jalen being really good. And it's like, nobody really appreciated the 17, six and five guy who was, uh, you know, hitting these like ridiculous turnaround jumpers and was running the pick and roll really competently and playing great defense. Like that's tough. Like, I, I, you know, I, I feel for the guy. It's it's this is this has not been uh, this has not been an easy stretch for Hayward, but he's still a really good player. I mean, in Miami, he'd be nasty. That would be a really good team. So.
0: Do they miss Horford?
1: They miss 2018 Al Horford. OK, <laughs> <laughs> um, they I don't I think that they're fine without him in kind of. And, you know, he, I, I think that he would be an upgrade over um, the bigs that they have. But I think that the, you know, the thing is that Daniel Tice has played really well. Um, you know, they've, they've been able to run some like sort of small ball center lineups with Grant Williams. Um, they really like Grant Williams. He is, you know, just, just incredibly strong. He's just a tree trunk of a human. And, uh, he, and he's, he's, his defense has improved drastically over the last year. And I still think that they think that down the line, uh, you know, Robert Williams might be a starting center in the NBA. So, I think that this has been a good year for them to sort of transition away from Horford because, you know, let's face it, like as good as Al Horford is and as as good as he was, you know, he's mid 30s, like he's getting older. And I think that, you know, relying on him too heavily for too long would have been bad both for him physically and, you know, for the team developmentally. Like they, they at some point, I think both parties kind of needed to move on. And, it, you know, it, it sucks for Horford that that moving on didn't work, you know. The way that I'm sure he hoped it would like he's he's a good player and I mean the Celtics obviously like (laughs) minus the fact that he went to the Sixers uh they they really loved having him in Boston so uh, you know it's it's tough that that it happened the way it did but he's uh you know he I I think that the Celtics are okay despite losing you know one of the best defenders in in, in the league for for multiple years
0: your favorite five-man and three-man lineup in Boston this season
1: was what Ooh, that's a good question um well, okay, like how are we defining favorite like my favorite one to watch or favorite just one to watch. uh favorite one to watch okay um i have well i mean the the three men is 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 pretty easy um you know i i really like watching tatum Jalen and marcus smart mm. um they're I, it's it's a young Group who are all going to be here for the long term, barring something crazy happening. Um, and they're all like the, the three of them are just kind of a like they're they're tough because you know Tatum is so good at scoring. They're all really good defensively. Jason Tatum, uh, you know, I know we've been just talking him up through the roof, but he. Um, defensively, he does not get the credit that he is probably due. He's, he's really good. And I mean, I think, you know, Marcus Smart is probably a, a first team defensive player this year. At least he's on that level as a, as a defender. So, um, they, they're just, you know, a two way tough, tough group who, uh, who've played a lot better this year. Um, and then, you know, when you, when you, you can kind of add whoever you want to that, to that collection. I mean, it's always fun to see Rob Williams on the court cause he's constantly a threat for a lob. Um, you love so. Rob Williams. You know I do. I mean he's he's a funny guy. Like he's he's an interesting uh he's an interesting dude. Um but yeah, I mean he's he's also a, a very entertaining basketball player. Like when he's on the floor something eventful is going to happen. Like he's, you know, he might miss a rotation like comically um and just kind of like let somebody run directly to the rim. He might get way up for an alley-oop. He might, you know, block a shot into the fifth row. Like it it really could go any direction. Like he is a complete wild card. There was a play earlier this year where he like got a pass in transition that he definitely shouldn't have gotten and he went like behind his back and finished at the rim which just made zero sense but it's (laughs) you know that's the kind of thing like you you never know what's going to happen when he's on the floor and that's you know it's kind of fun cam reddish does yeah i mean well (laughs) one funny thing about him and cam reddish uh the celtics did well the celtics did one of those uh one of those like I get mistaken for um, videos and like Jason Tatum was like, yeah, people have asked me if I'm Drake, which like, I don't know who thinks that Drake is six foot nine. Um, and, you know, made like, up.
0: that sounded like he was just trying, that was a that was a self-promotion type thing that like, yeah, <laughs> uh, people say I look like Drake. Yeah, it's too it's saying that straw. That's a very straw man thing. No, Jason Tatum is not like anything like Drake. I mean, they look a little similar in the face. I could kind of see I could see that a little bit okay you're just trying to endure yourself way too much to Jason Tatum on this podcast <laughs> we've got to reel back in a little bit he looks nothing like Drake I can't all
1: look. right well, well I mean are we, are we like are, are we saying that like Drake is like a very good looking man like I'm I, you think, know, he's just...
0: more, I think he's better looking than Jason Tatum okay yeah I think Tatum's, that's reasonable uh, also Tatum's beard not a fan
1: he's been struggling with it a little bit the beard uh, is not no, great. There's no question the beard about it. There's, is just there's a possibility. I don't know how much you've been seeing the photos and the videos that have been coming out recently. There's a possibility that Jason Tatum is rocking an entirely new haircut uh, oh. when when he comes back. So we'll see. The Lovey Smith, maybe where it you know the, just definitely different than the Drake haircut. He,
0: he got um, a little old. Ron's struggling <laughs> out here. I saw that yesterday.
1: Anyway, uh, Robert Williams. And <laughs> Robert Williams' answer was Cam Reddish. Uh, mm-hmm. They look they look kind of alike. So do that they? Was the, apparently, yeah. Nice when they flashed the uh, the pictures of them i was like i could kind of see it um i don't think i would I, I wouldn't confuse the two but i can see like you know they they, they look a little bit alike
0: uh maybe i'm uh, looking at it. maybe I you know what i mean better, like, it's, it's a like... better comparison than drake and jason tatum okay
1: yeah I, I would agree with that for sure but yes uh anyway the rob is rob is a lot of fun he's a he's an entertaining guy to watch Interesting. Well maybe they were
0: just like can't I mean Cam to start the season was doing crazy stuff at the rim like Robert Williams was where he was doing three sixty layups into nothing and just uh, <laughs> had no idea what he was doing. Like Cam should had no idea how to play basketball when he first came in the league. But he was really good right before Yeah, he got uh, better, huh? Yeah, he did. Um he like that was the thing. He got better and DeAndre Hunter turned into Tony Snell. So that <laughs> is um great news there. Um and you always want to trade up in the lottery for Tony Snell
1: anytime uh, you can you
0: got to do it you got to do it um in your estimation if you had to give true serum to mike zarin and danny ainge do they believe tatum and brown can be good enough to win them a title as their two best players in the next five years that's a great question
1: i think that if you gave them truth serum yes i think i think that they think so okay. um and I think I think it's a lot based on the fact that, like, they've been looking they, they very much believe in superstars and they've been looking for that, you know, that that one transcendent guy basically since Kevin Durant was a rookie because um, they really wanted him. um And obviously they built the big three and that worked out for them. But I think that more than they would, um you know, maybe admit they love looking for that that number one a guy. And I think they I think they think they've found it in Tatum. Um, so. If, if that's the case, I think they do think they could probably win a title, especially, you know, especially if you surround those two guys with the right pieces. Um, that's that's kind of the key, I think. And, you know, they've put a lot of good pieces in place. Like Kemba Walker is really good. You know, he's not he's not your, you know, the best player on a championship team. But if he's, you know, your second or third best player, you got a good squad. So, yeah, I would go third. Not a big. Kemba yeah,
0: guy. I think I'm not. A big, I mean, I think uh, Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, well i think you can be like a good team with him as your second best player i think you can be a very good team with him as your third best you know what right. i mean like i you know he, he's he's a really he's a good player but i i don't think yeah i mean he's not I, I don't think that as your second best player he's lifting you a championship either so i
0: also i would also say that like i watched way too much of those hornets teams and, um right before they fell off a cliff um with zeller and patum and they were actually good um Kimba, the reason that they struggled and they lost a lot of close games um, during that stretch with Clifford and when they were the 7 and 8 seed and that kind of thing. But um, a lot of it fell on Kimba. Like, it was just one of those things where it helped him that people were like, oh, he has to do everything in Charlotte. But Kimba would also make it be all about Kimba Walker. So it was sure. like one of those things where he wanted to give up that power and he wanted to give up that shine and being the guy like cardiac Kemba, like that's something that he has always loved doing and holding onto the ball and doing it, like just calling off plays with less than two minutes left in the game and the half court. Like that is something Kemba wanted to do and he wanted to build out around him. So like that was something I always just from talking to people and just things about it. I'm like, ah, I think people get some of this stuff wrong and, like, the cult of Kimba. Like, don't feel sorry for him in that regard because that's what he wanted. Like, Kimba wanted that so that – that was my biggest issue with him in Boston where people were like, oh, we can finally move on from Kyrie and we have Kimba and he's more of a team guy. And I'm like, uh, he's just different. Like, Kim and Kyrie are, are obviously very different, but, like, he's still a guy who sees himself as, like, the, the guy who has the ball in his hands at the end of a game. And if you want to develop Jalen and Jason, then you – I would be a little nervous. That's all I was saying was like, I was nervous at how much Kemba would affect their development. And I've been pleasantly surprised. So he's, he's evolved,
1: which is good. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and when you look at, you know, the years that Nick Batum was, you know, on that team and, and was actually really good, were like 2015 to 2017. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but that's like, you know, three years ago. Um, I, I think that Kemba's definitely grown since then. Um, and I mean, you know, that, it's, it's fascinating to watch him on this team because, like, everybody loves him and in ways that they absolutely did not love Kyrie Irving. Um, and, you know, that, that all obviously kind of started this summer with the, um, with the Team USA stuff, even though that team wasn't, you know, <laughs> very good. Um, they, they all sort of started developing chemistry together at that point. And it, I, you can really kind of tell that it carried over. I mean, those, those four guys, Kemba, Jalen, Jason, um, Smart, they've got a connection like they they work well together and and play well together so yeah
0: celtics assistant coach most likely to get a head coaching job who is it
1: i think it's jay laranaga um i hear he, him
0: for like 30 set. like how many years are we gonna just see him pop up as like one of the seven interviews <laughs> for a random team
1: yeah i it's it it's you're right. Um, but also Jay is a really good coach. I mean, he's, he's a really good assistant coach. Um, he has has done a lot of really good work with Tatum. Um they've entrusted he's working with I believe he's working with Taco Fall too. He, he's he's the guy who's uh in charge of, of Taco's development right now. Um he's you know, he's just a really, really good development guy. I think that any team that is at that stage would do well to have somebody like him. Um, you know, what, like you're You're definitely right like he's he's gotten a lot of interviews before um and you know i think he was he was in the running for the charlotte job before barrego got it um you know he's he's certainly been in conversations um and hasn't gotten picked but i think if you're uh if you're just looking at like the most likely guy i think i think he's probably the answer he's he he's, he's got like a there's a lot Markinson. of reasons yeah i mean you could see that yeah like there's there's a lot to like with him um that you know other coaches might not have so um
0: Last question. We'll wrap up here. <laughs> Who falls out of the playoff rotation?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. So I think your most likely candidate is probably... It's tough, man. I, I think your most likely candidate is Alianis Cantor. Um oh. I just... Well, for one thing, I think Ennis Cantor is not a very good basketball player. But uh, <laughs> I also... Like de- he just defensively, he doesn't bring you anything, um, except against bigs. You know, so you're Joel Embiids, your whoever. Um, and 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 that's like literally guys who if he doesn't have to move, he's okay because he's strong. Um, but if you if you can if if you can get him up to the top of the key, um, you know, he's he's in trouble. The Celtics are in trouble. So I, I think I think he's probably the answer. Um, especially because, you know, Grant Williams really did improve a lot during the year. Um he like he missed his first, I, I want to say, like, 27 three-point attempts this year, and it kind of became a thing. Um, and then and then he started to, like, knock him down a little bit. And for a while, he was shooting, like, 40% over his last, like, 10, 15 games or something like that. So offensively, he brings a little bit. Defensively, they really like him. At the start of the year, he couldn't really defend guards and wings. Um, and if you talk to Celtics' assistant coaches – he spent so much time just basically like learning everything there is to learn about footwork and about, you know, where his hands should be at all times and how to how to kind of keep some of those guards and wings out of the paint if he gets switched. Um, so, I mean, just the amount of work he's put in, I think he probably surpasses Canner, even though he's only like six, five. Um, Grant Williams is maybe an inch taller than me, um, but, you know, he plays uh, he, he plays like small ball center pretty well. Um I don't think Shemi's gonna fall out of the rotation. He's shot the three pretty well this season and when he does that he's really valuable. Um and I don't think you can really call Romeo Langford or any of the other guys part of the rotation. So um yeah, I think I think is probably the the most likely domino. I think Brad Wanamaker's too useful, and after that you start to get into the real guys. So yeah, I uh I that that would be my guess would be uh would be we don't see much Cantor anymore.
0: There you go. Um it's gonna be interesting because Teams are just got to be very careful about their depth, and like certain guys who would fall out of the playoff rotation normally, um, may be around a little bit longer just because teams are afraid and teams are like we got to keep these guys ready because we might lose one of them. Like we have to keep mm-hmm. these guys fresh and engaged, and can't just throw them out in the Western Conference Finals because a guy tested positive and is gone for two weeks. <laughs> like that just <laughs> you can't do that. Um, so I don't know, and I think um, so I was talking to Jackson Guylen of uh, Lockdown Rockets last week. And something that I didn't know that Maury and D'Antoni got together and decided that he needs to expand his rotation like the magic numbers like nine or ten. So mm-hmm. figuring out who that nine and ten. So I wonder if a lot of teams um, during this break have thought the same thing that we're going to figure out who are nine or ten best guys. So um, teams that um, may have wanted to go down to eight um, for the playoffs cannot do that um this year so i'm i'm interested so it's gonna hurt even more if you get left out of the playoff rotation because they're giving you all the (laughs) all the possibilities that means you really stink as an nba player if you fall um anyway tom (laughs) is there anything we should check out from you this week on the boston celtics
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be writing all week about everything that's going on Um, over at MassLive.com slash Celtics, and uh, I've got a new podcast with uh, Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe uh, called Geno Time. Anybody who wants to to give that a listen after you're done listening to the Chase Thomas podcast can feel free. Oh, what a plug. There you go.
0: You can do both, folks. You can... uh, This is like... The link this is, this is like a good run. So if you're doing an hour and a half run or a good hike, second traffic... Just go from one to the other. Like what? What more do you need?
1: All your states are reopening prematurely. Just you do this on your uh, on your commute back to work. Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, stay safe. Um, thank you for the time, as always, sir. And uh, oh, I would even ask you: Are you going to the bubble? Do you know? No. Okay. No, I'm
1: not going to the bubble. Okay. The uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I forgot to ask like, wait a second, I don't even remember. I I forgot that like he could theoretically do that. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah, even if I could, I would have very little interest in uh joining the uh the Orlando uh cesspool at the moment, so I'm good. <laughs> so we cannot call him Bubble Tom. You certainly cannot. <laughs> Tom is not
0: the bubble boy. Tom, thank you so much, sir, and we will talk again soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or co-worker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. Goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves!